The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. Thank you, folks, for joining us here on the interweb, the internet for this podcast, The Crude Life. Today, we are being joined with our intern, Provolone, the entitled intern, whose mother and father own a modest oil company, and they'd like to teach him a little bit about hard work and a little bit about getting your hands dirty. So they've asked me to bring on Provolone, the intern. That's his name, Provolone. So he's our entitled intern because, like I, like I said, we call him the entitled intern because uh, Papa OGC, Papa Oil and Gas Company, uh, explained to me that his son was majoring in entitlement over at the university. So therefore, he asked if we could uh, have an internship here at the uh, little small media company. You know, we're one of those companies that we could use about 15 employees tomorrow and it would barely make a dent in all the work that we need done. But at the same time, we got about two bucks to our name, so therefore we gotta figure out how to make $2 into $10. And Provolone, you're one of those ways, buddy. So appreciate you coming on, and I know that you still got the tape on your mouth from yesterday. Uh, One of the hazing, for those of you joining us here today at the Crude Life Podcast, one of the things in the media world back in the day uh, sometimes people would do is uh, as a hazing you were not able to talk on the first day and you were a part of the show but you could not talk and it was a way to know your role if you will so you could understand how the buttons work and you could understand the flow of the show and also you could understand who the host is <laughs> now look at me in this position abusing power see you get to learn the pros and the cons provolone so anyway, yesterday Provolone, he tried to do his own thing. Well, he got his hand slapped, if you will. So today we have tape over his mouth. And we're going to teach him how to, I guess, just learn the format of the show, the podcast. The podcast, by the way, which is every day. Did you know this, folks? The Crude Life podcast is every day, which means... Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday. Did you know that means every day now? Apparently, that's what you can say in the podcast world. That every day means Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday. Just flows off the tongue, doesn't it? So every day is much easier to say. So that's what we say here at the Crude Life Podcast. It's every day, which is Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday. See, Provolone, we're going with your idea. We're, We're doing it. We're making sure... But this podcast is done so the young folk will listen to it. Because I get it, the radio, they don't... Yeah, I was yelling at a newspaper yesterday. I still read the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I was yelling at it. You caught me. You caught me in a moment, okay? When I'm not on this program, things bother me. So I do get some passion every now and then, Provolone. Okay, what do we got going here today? Let's take a look at what we have in store for you for the Crude Life podcast. We are, oh, Monday through Thursday. Yes, there we go. And also, 
it's, it's just a half hour a day. So I'd like to thank you folks that emailed in that you've incorporated the Crude Life podcast as part of your daily routine now, because it's like I say, it's just a half hour a day, which by the way, in podcast language, that means it could be 45 minutes. Yesterday's half hour podcast was 45, 44 minutes. Also like to thank Dan Haley for coming on yesterday's program to talk about some new problems happening in Colorado. U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer and Dr. Lauren C. Scott, the energy expert and economist down in Louisiana, for also being on yesterday's podcast, which are available at thecrudelife.com. So all of the interviews you hear, you can listen to isolated in their entirety, if you'd like, at thecrudelife.com. We also put our podcast on there, and we can review our daily podcast, which can be heard Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday, which is a half hour long, which could be 45 minutes, could be, you know, 36. I guess when you say it's a half hour, that means every day it'll be a minimum of a half hour. Not 28 minutes, but 30 minutes at a minimum, or or 28 minutes. Can we do 28 minutes? Sometimes 24. A good comedy on television is 22 minutes because of commercials and et cetera. So can we do that provolone? See, I'm asking you. I'm, you're the expert of the podcast. I'm just the audio dude, the radio, the old radio guy. See, on the radio, there's things called news and weather and commercials, and you've got engineers, and you've got all kinds of... Di- you're just part of a bigger picture, okay? You're part of a system. So that's like when I, when I do my daily radio program and I do my weekly radio program... I'm just part of the system, and I have to follow some rules and deadlines that the radio station has, okay? The world does not revolve around the crude life, provolone. I, I know it's a hard concept for you to understand, but it, we, it, it, we have to play a role, and we have to be a part of a system in order to have a very happy and healthy existence on this planet. Did you see that? We're like esocentric energy here. I know that's that's what the Crude Life podcast is, Provolone. We're esocentric energy because we, we like to look at the bigger picture here at the Crude Life because like in Colorado, for example, like we talked with Mr. Dan Haley yesterday, we've been covering this for five years. This has been going on for five years because when you're looking at something with an esocentric energy perspective, you can see a lot more than the day-to-day operation. It's kind of like the stock market. It's like fantasy baseball, where if you look at it day-to-day, you, you can't see the forest for the trees, which I don't really understand that saying, but it is a saying. And when you take a step back and you know you, you start not to get so serious, which is hard to do sometimes because, oh, Lordy, can community and Careers and family get passionate. Oh, yes. Protesters can get passionate. Now you got the environment making people pro. I mean, are you kidding me? The environment? I mean, everybody can relate to the environment. So that's kind of, anyway. Um, I know, I'm, I'm fall- I, I understand that. The soapbox is out, and I understand that the wheels are falling off the wagons, and, and I got, thank you, Provolone. That's why you're here is to keep me focused. Um Esocentric energy. All right. So let's get to headlines. Should we do that? 
Did you pick out some good ones today, some headlines? So, folks, this is where we just kind of look at the headlines, read a couple paragraphs for you. It's our daily news. You can certainly click on the headlines at our website, thecrudelife.com, under the show recap, and you can go read the stories in their entirety. But most of us out there, we just read the headline and and uh, read a couple paragraphs and, and, and all of a sudden think that we know the whole story. So that's how we treat these. We just kind of read a paragraph or two from the story. We comment on it and we move on to the next. So today, Provolone, Texas, oil and gas industry could see a major slowdown in 2020. This is from texastribune.org. The oil and natural gas industry paid a record setting at 16.3 billion in taxes and royalties to local governments in the state of Texas in 2009. The Oil and Gas Association announced Tuesday it is the highest sum in a hundred-year-old association tracking. Okay, it is the highest sum since the 100-year-old association began tracking payments in 2007, an indicator of the historic nature of oil and gas boom that's gripped the state for years. The frenzy has driven U.S. fossil fuel production and exports to record levels. All right, so when we take a look at the story for a second here, Texas oil and gas industry could see a major slowdown in 2020. I, I, I get that. I, I understand the speculation. I, I believe that uh, is not anything new to anybody. Uh, you can't have the amount of layoffs that you've already had without having a ripple and an impact happen, okay? Uh, there is an issue trying to sometimes rehire employees, so when you lay off a bunch of employees, they go get new jobs. Well, when they go get a new job, they might get settled in, they might move, and they might not be available to be rehired. Okay, so there's that issue. So th there will be a slowdown in 2020. Even if prices go up, that will probably be in the fall is when the speed up will happen. So um, summer and fall. Anyway, uh, to me, that's not the, the, the story here. The story that I see is paid a record setting $16.3 billion in taxes and royalties to local governments and the state. And that's just in Texas. Okay. In North Dakota, up in the Bakken, their state, get this, the state of North Dakota, their entire state budget, okay, when you look at the amount of money they need to pay everybody and their whole expenses and blah, 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 55% comes from two taxes to oil and gas, the extraction and production tax. So if it takes $100 billion, which it doesn't, but for argument's sake, $100 billion to operate the state of North Dakota, 55 million of that comes from oil and gas. And that doesn't include all the people that come in and buy permits and buy deer license, hunting licenses and spend sales tax money and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, no. This is just the oil and gas production and extraction tax, which is 11%. I think it's right around there. All that money operates 55% of a state's budget. Now I'm looking at the state of Texas, the oil and gas Association, the Texas Oil and Gas Association announced $16.3 billion in taxes. Okay, you've got a bunch of political candidates running around trying to ban fossil fuels. This is the type of information that needs to be in their hands. 
so they understand. Listen, we've we've talked about this on this program for years. I've had guests talk about it. That we, we hey, we're altruistic when we say we got to do a better job of educating. Well, this is the time. You need to send your local politician this Texas Oil and Gas Association study and say, check it out, yo. You like that? I threw in a yo. Look at this. You've got schools, emergency services. You've got all kinds of different things being paid for by oil and gas. Do you really believe that the planet is going to end in 10 years? And also, are you on the team that's trying to ban fossil fuels? I'm telling you, we got to cut the wheat from the chaff now before this gets ugly this summer. All right, so that is available at the website. Texas oil and gas industry could see a major slowdown in 2020, the Crude Life website. Okay, this next one comes from Colorado. Thank you, Provolone. By the way, I do want to follow this Colorado thing. I've To me, it is a template that's going on that once it is perfected and once they have it down, it's going to be in North Dakota, Texas, uh, New Mexico, um, other states very quickly after this is done in, in Colorado. It's a blueprint, just like the smoking ban, just like the smoking ban. You use public health. You take unproven scientific facts that are easy to have the Mandela effect, which is easy to make it seem like it's true when it's not, especially if it's kind of dirty to the eye like smoking was and the way smokestacks are with oil and gas refineries. It's a template. Let's take a look what's going on in Colorado. This comes from KDVR.com. It's the Fox 31 Denver News Channel, Colorado's own news. From Is it, is it Broomfield, Colorado? Colorado oil and gas operators will be effectively prohibited from outdoor operations overnight in an emergency noise ordinance. The Broomfield City Council passed on Tuesday night. Noise pollution, folks. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, the ordinance passed unanimously and had the support of Mayor Patrick Quinn. It will prohibit industrial operations from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. unless they're happening in a fully enclosed building or if operators can prove the work will not exceed certain decimal level levels well i'll tell you what we should probably get to our sponsor titan solutions here they do custom ones so we should provolone that's uh, that that's what we call a home run because there's a new problem now and we didn't even compare notes on this this is serendipitous serendipity that's right well keep the tape on for another day let's see if you can know your role for one day without uh anyway let's get back to broomfield broomfield colorado where uh emergency ordinance now you have to have a fully enclosed building if you want to operate at night from 10 p.m to 7 a.m this is a whole new shot across the bow folks when it comes to in industry when when it, the when they say war on oil and gas this is exactly what they're talking about this is an economic war in the bakken there's the davis refinery they've been fighting legal battles for over two years winning every single one just hemorrhaging money bleeding money 
And that's exactly what's going to happen in Colorado. If they can't get you through the legislative process, they're going to get you through the pocketbook. Excellent choice of a headline today, Provolone. Broomfield passes emergency noise ordinance to prohibit overnight oil and gas operations. And this is coming to us from Fox Denver 31, KDVR.com. All right. Our third headline of today is solar energy can have huge environmental impacts in the wrong location from the hill.com. Since the start of the utility scale build out of public lands in the California and Nevada deserts just before 2010, scientists and conservationists have learned a lot about the negative impacts in biodiversity and risks, uh, species at risks from these very large energy project projects. Recent article from The Hill, Trump administration to approve largest solar farm in the U.S., does acknowledge that the proposed 11-square-mile Gemini solar project will have negative impacts on the iconic desert tortoise, a federally protected species that inhabits the Mojave Desert, which has seen big declines throughout its range. Okay, this is another great example of bald eagles, golden eagles, bats, bees and now if we're going to throw the desert tortoise in there that are going to be casualties of renewable energy you might see the gloves come off of old jason Spees. i love me me desert tortoises and the galapagos tortoises like our headline from yesterday turtles are just cool tortoises are just cool the native american and, and mythological spiritual side of a tortoise is they actually carry the weight of the world and the earth on their back. So if you're like a spirit turtle animal or something like that, it's like it's an amazing thing. So we're, this is another issue with renewable energy. Another one. Should we get into the reclamation of wind and solar, which last I checked, they don't really have anything. And nobody's holding them accountable for it. But here's the part of this story from the Hill, by the way, changing America. Solar energy can have a huge environmental impacts in the wrong location. It's a story from the Hill. Is the way that just this this beginning paragraph since the start of the utility scale build out of public lands in the California and Nevada desert, scientists and conservationists have learned a lot about the negative impacts. Well, what are you doing it for then? Didn't you learn anything from Yellowstone National Park when you eradicated the deer and the elk and then you almost extinct the, the wolves? When will the environmentalists, when will the conservationists, and when will the government, the Environmental Protection Agency, understand that they are the cause of most of the problems on the planet when it comes to these environmental issues. Go read up on the history of Yellowstone Park. We thought we knew better. We don't. Another example. What's our clock at, by the way? What are we at today? Because I'm on a soapbox. We're already at 20 minutes. Okay, we got to get going here. All right, headlines, folks. Thank you very much. That's uh, three headlines we have. Solar energy could have a huge environmental impacts in the wrong location. We also have Broomfield passes emergency noise ordinance to prohibit overnight gas operations. Texas oil and gas industry could see a major slowdown in 2020. Uh, we got to get to our sponsor, uh, Titan Solutions. 
Today's sponsor is Titan Solutions. They are an oil field service company with decades of experience. Titan Solutions offers services in the area of health and safety and the environment. Titan Solution also provides services in containment, surface rental equipment, at custom trailer solutions. Visit titansolutions.org, or of course, you can go to thecrudelife.com, and we have links on our show recap page. All right, we got to get to our interview. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Sally Hallenstad, for hanging on and wading through my just long, long, long intro when it comes to headlines. Sometimes I can get a little bit passionate. Like I say, you know, when, when I'm not on the air doing interviews and trying to, you know, be somewhat civil and un, unbiased, things do bother me. And they've been bothering me a lot more, especially since in Colorado, for example, it's it's been an issue for the last five years and it's been growing and growing and growing to where now we've got overnight noise ordinances and and setbacks and six things happening so see look at this happening already i'm right back at it all right sally hellingstad oil field helping hands i'll tell you what do me a favor give me a mic level check just state your name and uh organization and then we'll get right into the interview sally hellingstad and i am the oh rockies chapter president Outstanding. Thank you for joining the program today, The Crude Life here, and we're looking at the levels, and they look good, so excellent, and I'm trying to maneuver things around, and I've been told that, you know, during podcasts and things like that, nothing can ever go wrong, so like you said, is this is this editable? <laughs> of course, everything's editable, so why not? Everything right. go right and everything go wrong. Uh, oil right. field helping hands, that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, the what and the why, and some sponsors, events, and support, that sort of thing. So how are you doing today, Sally? I'm doing great, you know, other than the fact that it's um, uh, a day that I'm trying not to have caffeine. How's that day go for you? Because I'll tell you what, um, I gave up coffee for Lent one year. That was the hardest thing I've ever done, and, and I've, I've climbed Colorado peaks before and i always say like climbing mount kilimanjaro would be easier than giving up caffeine so what's your story behind that caffeine well you know the first few days nobody really wanted to be around me which i understood but uh i would say like i'm a few days in now and it's, it's actually not too horrible it's just you know mondays are a little bit harder <laughs> yeah i mean boy i tell you it's Caffeine is one of those hard things to go without, and um, well, Star yeah, is. Starbucks is built on it, so what the heck. Um, yep. Oil field helping hands, tell me about it. What is it, and uh, why is it, if you will? So oil field helping hands, lovingly called OHH, just to make it easier to say, uh, was actually started in 2003 by a group of Halliburton employees who had a, a fellow worker um, get injured on the job and um, unfortunately workman's comp uh, ran out before he could get back to work and so they were trying to figure out how they could help him and his family and they ended up doing a charity fundraiser um, through a clay shoot and they were so successful with raising funds and helping him that they decided to turn the event into a nonprofit, which became OHH um, and that like I said started in Texas in 2003 and so then they expanded to a few other chapters throughout the years and then the Rocky chapter came about in 2014 in Colorado Wyoming and Utah and then just in 20 
2017, no, excuse me, 2018, we expanded our reach to cover North Dakota. So we're still kind of fairly new up in North Dakota, but basically what we do is fundraising events throughout the year, awareness events throughout the year, to all run by volunteers to then distribute back in the form of financial aid to people in our community, in our oil field community. Oilfield Helping Hands is the name of the organization. You mentioned um, a few new chapters. Uh, go ahead and name some of the states that uh, you guys are looking for uh, support and, and uh, ones that maybe you know need some help and assistance, letting people know that, hey, we, we're a state and we've got them open now. Yeah, so right now we have... Um you know, there's a, a lot of uh, play up and down in Texas, I should say. So they do have the Houston chapter in Texas as well as the Permian Basin chapter. Oh, so there's um, there's even like like sub chapters within the states and the shale place too. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And we do have um, one in Oklahoma, and then obviously the Rocky Mountain one that covers the four states. So uh, as far as our spread right now, we're we're heavy right kind of in the middle of the U.S., but um, I do know that they had a chapter in Louisiana for a bit, but I, I think that they are looking to revamp that. And then, obviously, um, we'd love to get into, you know, like the Marcellus and stuff, but, you know, it's, it's a matter of who wants to jump in and try and take on this beast, so to speak, to open a chapter. Yeah, it definitely, you know, comes with some work, but the nice thing is there's, you know, it's, it's turnkey, if you will. There's there's some direction and some resources and some help along the way, especially if um, the companies and supporting sponsors can help you as well, uh, which let's talk about that right now. Sponsorship, um, I'm sure that, you know, there's local chapter sponsorship, probably national even, uh, do, is there like a, a, an event that you guys have or weekly meetings with dues like like the Rotary or talk to me a little bit about how they keep the lights on and who some of the people are that keep the lights on? Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, our um, organization is run by volunteers. We have very little overhead, and the overhead we do have is simply for accounting. And then we have um, Brooke Goodry, who is one of our, our main admins that helps us, helps all the chapters kind of stay organized. Um, but with, with that small amount of overhead. We do various events. Um, mostly right now uh, for the Rockies, we do them in Denver. So we have a clay shoot. We have a murder mystery dinner. We are a beneficiary of the Colorado Oil and Gas's um, Mardi Gras ball in a couple of weeks. And so there's definitely ways that uh, sponsors and companies can get involved to kind of leverage their logo and their participation in this organization. Um, in North Dakota, we have our second annual fishing tournament this year, which will be held at the Tobacco Gardens Marina and Resort in Watford City. And that will be on Saturday, May 30th, and we're super pumped about that. We're looking at incorporating a co-ed softball tournament in the fall um, and then also implementing a couple more happy hours, not only for um, – getting the word out to, you know, for sponsors to get the word out about it, but also to create awareness for those that are in need. We we have done a really good job the last couple of years of raising funds, but now we're kind of in this position where we're sitting on the funds because we need people to be aware that there is help out there. And that's one thing that we want companies to do, even if they can't help support this year financially, definitely support by getting the word out about OHH and how it can help their employees that may be facing a financial hardship right now. You know, a lot of times even just sharing and, and liking and following, that type of support is it, it can be more uh, priceless than I think people understand. Um, 100% agree. You never know the power. 
I think most of us do know the power of um, the, the power of word of mouth marketing. Right. We used to joke that uh, uh, back in the magazine day, you know, back when you can only buy print or buy radio and, you know, it was really segmented. So it got kind of cutthroat for a while. And a lot of people would say, uh, you know, well, we, we do word of mouth advertising. And then our salespeople occasionally, if they were feeling snarky, would say, uh, yeah, we agree. That is the best and the most effective. So buy as much as you can. <laughs> so, And we kind of joke yep, that we, yep. we, we kind of live in that day and age today. So uh, it's kind of interesting. But um, anyway, like I say, that's, that's, that was back in the day. But I did want to ask you uh, about the murder mystery. Um, that one caught my attention because have you ever been to that? Have you, have you, have you attended that yet? Yeah, yeah. This year will actually be our third annual event like that. Yep. Okay, so I, I'd like to think that I'm open-minded enough to think that that would be fun. I'd like to think yeah. that I'm old enough and mature enough to even if I, you know, didn't enjoy it in the in the first part, I would be able to to, you know, flesh it through in a very mature manner and see, you know, hey, maybe I'll pick it up and have fun halfway through. Um, I think I'd enjoy the heck out of it, to be honest, but I could see where, you know, it, it would be hesitant for some people. Um, talk to me about how that's, you know, how, how is it received and, and what's it like? Cause I think it sounds like a black, I think it'd be fun to experience at the very least. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's interesting because most of the people, Jason, have the same reaction as you, as they're like, what am I getting myself into? I'm only becoming because Sally drugged me. Um, it, it's actually not intimidating, but people definitely have that, that perception of like, ah, oh, just another, you know, event to go to that I'm not going to enjoy. But it's, it's different than your black tie gala, and it's a lot more fun. Plus, we have an open bar, which makes everything more fun for most people. Um, but it's, it's truly just an interactive theater that is so much fun. And though it may be not, not be our top fundraiser of the year, it definitely is the most engaging. And the people, whenever they leave it, they're just super excited and ready to buy tickets for the next year. So um, the, the cool thing is, is that one of the cast members at this particular theater that we go to actually works in the industry and so when they're building their uh, kind of shtick it's amazing the little um, acronyms and the little you know quotes that they use from our industry that really play on words so it's very fun oh i think it'd be it sounds like a blast um and when is that by the way that one we're hoping to shoot we're shooting for october 29th this oh year, okay that it's, will be in denver all right it's yep. it's it's the fall it's a it's the right, fall it's fundraiser right. okay uh what's the yep. next fundraiser you guys have so we, um, coming up here, we actually are partnering with the OGGN, which is the Oil and Gas Global Network, and they do a happy hour networking event uh, that includes a live podcast, um, and they um, have multiple events throughout the western part of the, the United States, and the next one is actually here in Denver on uh, January 30th, and that's 4 to 6 p.m. at Liberty Oilfield. Tickets are $20, and you can come network with peers, and all the proceeds go to OHH for the entire year. So regardless of where the podcasts are be held, being held um, and where these events are being held, you can definitely uh, – come for the $20 ticket and benefit OHH. And I believe they have, uh, I don't know that they've set the date for a North Dakota one yet, but I do know that there's one on the horizon for 2020. Oh, make sure you let us know. Um, 
Definitely. Yeah, uh, I, I always tell people that, you know, uh, in any kind of fundraiser that's not a golf event, yeah, you'll go to the, definitely to the front of the line because um, not to rag on golf events, but it seems like every time you go to a conference, there's a golf thing going on. And so, and they do fine and everything, but I don't know. I just kind of like, you know, the murder mystery idea and, uh, you know, different ideas that kind of capture people. So anyway, okay. And that's uh, January 30th, you said, for the uh, Liberty Oil Field um, podcast uh, recording networking session type of a deal, yep, right? Genu- yep. And you can find all that information on our website. It's oilfieldhelpinghands.org. <laughs> and if you go under find a chapter and go to the Rocky Mountain one, it lists all of our upcoming events. All right, you got time for one, uh, a couple questions about your evolution to becoming an energy professional coming from an ag world? <laughs> sure. All right, cool. All right, we're going to take a quick pause. We come back. Um, we'll continue the conversation with Sally Hallingstead, Oilfield Helping Hand. Listen to the full-length interview. Visit thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. All right, welcome back here to The Crude Life. And Sally, that's part of that podcast editing thing. Did you like that? Because you're like, what's going on? Yeah. Is this happening for real or what? So uh, <laughs> it's just much easier to, to uh, th- throw some of the um, show in on the fly nowadays. So uh, we can edit or not edit later. But uh, we were talking about Oilfield Helping Hands to start off the interview. So before we get into kind of your uh, personal energy evolution, if you will, uh, just, you know, the 30 second or one minute version of Oilfield Helping Hands to remind people why we are here is to uh, promote some of the good work that is, is going on there. So go ahead and uh, remind everybody who they are and, and, and why they're doing it. So Oilfield Helping Hands, the 501c3 nonprofit that does fundraising events throughout the year to to then give back to people that are working in the oil field that have faced financial hardship. So whether a tragedy has occurred or, you know, um, someone in your family gets sick and the medical bills are piling up, OHH is here to help assist in a financial capacity to get you through those times. All right. Thank you much. Now, before the interview, we were talking a little bit off the air that uh, you grew up in uh, central North Dakota, where uh, a lot of people think is oil country, but it's more ag than oil. And so, and not to mention that uh, a lot of growing up in North Dakota for people, there wasn't oil going on, um, especially on the eastern side or the more eastern side. 
yet you work in oil day to day. So uh, talk to me a little bit about how that uh, happened and just kind of the the perception of other people or you know colleagues and professionals and high school guy students and that sort of thing just uh, everything that encompasses that yeah i know um as you as you mentioned i grew up in the the middle of the state turtle lake north dakota um and i you know it's funny because looking back uh 20 plus well probably more than that years later it's funny how little or nothing i knew about the oil industry that was happening in our state back then and you know i graduated high school in 1996 and so i think about the last time that was the before i got this job that i have now it was the last time i had been to williston north dakota was in 1996 and to go back in december of 2018 and see the complete difference of of that town almost you know a little mini city now um was amazing to me. So, you know, I left North Dakota um, to go to school in Minnesota, and shortly after that, I ended up in Denver in, in 2003, and um, I, I was doing a lot of, my, my background is events and marketing, and I still, even being out here, knew very little about the oil and gas industry, even working as a professional here in Colorado. Um, and then in 2013, I answered an ad and ended up running the Denver Petroleum Club uh, for about five years before I came over to Whiting Petroleum, and that. Uh, in I guess initial foray into the industry through the DPC uh, was really eye-opening. Um, you know, you and I talked before the call too about how it's it's interesting because there's so much negativity surrounding our industry, specifically in Colorado right now, and, and it's slowly um, kind of leaking to other states. But the thing that I absolutely think that people would appreciate is how much of a tight-knit community this industry is with each other, um, with people outside. You know, people have such a, like I said, a misconception of the people that work in this industry that it, it just frustrates me because if they only knew how well we take care of each other and how much we try and help each other, I, I think they would, their minds would just be blown. That's the part that caught, captured me, if you will, about the industry was that sense of community building and togetherness. And, you know, growing up in an ag area, which I did, and, and you sounds like you did as well, a little bit more ag than energy. Um, th- th- there's that at the core too, you know, farmer's markets and, and you go and, I mean, I, my first three dogs were out of a big giant refrigerator boxes at, at the uh, auction. I mean, you know, you go to the auction every Saturday night or Friday night and come home with a barn kitten and a puppy occasionally. I mean, so it's to me, I saw that in the energy world. Um, that's interesting to me how you went to Minnesota. Minnesota is a very blue state and, a, you know, blue now apparently represents renewable energy and red apparently represents fossil fuels which is interesting you know i i do a lot of traveling and i end up in fort collins a lot of times is where i stay and it's just right on the interstate it's an hour before denver it's weld county you know it's close to that so um i end up in fort collins a lot and i did notice probably three or four years ago and i talk about this on my program was uh people would look over the shoulder when they said they worked in the oil and gas industry and, you know, when I'd ask what they do, when I'd stay in the breakfast bars and that sort of thing. And I, that was kind of different. And then, of course, you know, we know what's going on now. In fact, a new new prop uh, proposition. I'm going to be talking with Dan Haley uh, uh, later this week as well about uh, an update in Colorado. But what was your perception like going into uh, 
the energy industry and, and, and where is it at? Where, where is it at now? Well, I know where it's at now. I mean, you see the community building side, but talk to me a little bit about how, you know, I mean, you answered the ad. So what, what, you know, I mean, something interested you. Yeah. Um, it was an incredible opportunity, it, you know, and, and full disclosure, when I answered the ad, I, I didn't think about it being a part of the energy industry. Right. And so once I got into it, it was fascinating to me. One, I knew nothing, and I still, you know, seven years later, feel like I don't know much. But I, I think the beauty of it is not only are people willing to help each other when they're down, but when people come into the industry, I, I felt no shame in asking questions. I never felt like I was asking a dumb question, even if it was a dumb question. Nobody made me feel like it was, and I think that is a true testament to an industry that really wants to help people become a part of it and grow within it. So let me ask you the million-dollar question right now that uh, the industry is trying to solve. Pop question for you here. Um, how, how can we do a better job of connecting with those who do not work in the industry? Um, I do feel like the industry has become kind of what the farmers became when the supermarket came around. You know, the supermarket came and everybody forgot the farmers even existed. Now that the light switches around and turns the power on, people forget that it, you know 90% of it comes from fossil fuels type of a thing. Um, do you, and, and a lot of it just has to do with, you know, just trying to figure out a way to connect. Uh, how did, um, how, how did they reach you? You know, I, I think that, um, they reached me through a, um, a job ad. <laughs> no, but I know, but once you, um, once you got in there, I mean, because there, there's been a lot of evils of, of oil and gas over the past decade and it's ramped up considerably over the last five years. But, um, you know, you didn't come from energy you know you're not a third generation yeah. landman you're you know you're someone that quite honestly answered a job to better your career and then you saw that oh this actually could be my career because i do like this i do believe in it and you know what kind of captured you to uh you know keep keep you what kept you well, you know, I, I've already said it a few times, it's definitely the people that have captured me, right? And and it's the, the community that we've built. I think that um, I, I truly believe that in kind of changing our message, that if we just make one friend at a time and, you know, like that of people that aren't in our industry on the day-to-day, -day, I think that that's one of the ways that we can slowly start changing the perception because I think that people and enemies against our industry, if they understood the human element behind the message, that they would probably be more open to understanding the process and understanding and educating themselves about what it is our industry is doing and providing to the, to the community. I couldn't agree more. In fact, uh, a few years ago, we started doing a, uh, where we, we, on our radio programs, we, we feature, and now podcasts, we feature local singer-songwriters. And we do that, and we feature the music, and then we, we have a, you know, a link to the website and everything. And we did it shortly after the DAPL protest, the Dakota Access Pipeline protest, because we wanted to do something to reach those that were seemed to be protesting against our industry. So we found those musicians that said oh yeah we we're, we're fine yeah because you know there are some people that like the music and then they get in front of them and it gives them opportunity and they understand how that community and support works um and there's a non-traditional thing is it solving the problems overnight no but i think what you said is you know kind of one person one day that's that's the part that i think that in in the energy industry we're not used to is you know things happening fast we'd like things to happen fast and 
This one might take a little while. One person, one day. I like that. I kind of like that a lot. Yeah, and I and I think that we have to remember that you know um, it can't just be during election year. <laughs> you know, uh, we know that there are organizations that try and you know really continue the message on the off years, but it it seems to definitely fire up more and people pay more attention during election year. Now, if we could just keep that momentum and motivation going throughout, I think that would you know we we get a little bit further. Sally Hallingstead, Oilfield Helping Hands. Uh, anything else before we? wrap up uh and just kind of reset and give oil filled helping hands one more plug and uh, remind that um, they're always looking for people to help out their cause so um, anything we forgot today no i don't think so awesome so oil filled helping hands one more time uh who what when and where and how and why all the all and and leave out the ones that don't apply (laughs) right um, OHH is an organization that helps those that are in need that are working in the oil field. And basically what happens is we fundraise to give back money to those that are uh, um, experiencing financial hardship. So to get involved, go to our website, oilfieldhelpinghands.org. There is no membership fee. You can just sign up to receive updates and notifications of when we'll have events in your area or in a state that you're visiting. And then you'll feel great knowing that your funds and your registrations will all go back to people that are your oil field family. And that was Sally Hallenstead of Oilfield Helping Hands. Thank you very much for joining us here today at the Crude Life Podcast. Of course, you can listen to that exclusive interview at thecrudelife.com. want to mention very quickly the Planet Service Announcement, Everyday Energy. Everyday Energy can be found on our show pages as well as our social media accounts. So if you'd like to check out the Planet Service Announcement and the Everyday Energy of the Day, you can check that out uh, there. But today... This Planet Service announcement of Everyday Energy wants you to know that fossil fuels are found in 96% of the items we use each day. What is your everyday energy and where does it come from? Everyday energy is a term used for an energy source that can be relied on every day of the week. This Planet Service announcement is brought to you by The Crude Life. That's going to do it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank Sally Hallingstad for coming on today's program being a part of it as well as provolone our entitled intern thank you very much for doing the work getting the headlines together as well as pushing the necessary buttons that are needed to be pushed appreciate that very much the music that you've heard on today's program is by the moody river band you can download their music at thecrudelife.com we have links available for their music they also it's free you can download it for free uh, we absolutely love the moody river band here and happy to do a cross-promotion with them as well. And Sally Hallenstead, once again, thank you very much, talking about oil field helping hands and how you grew up in an ag area and now are energy-minded. What a great energy evolution story from Sally Hallenstead on today's The Crude Life Podcast. From the staff here at The Crude Life Podcast, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.